0: There is a wall that goes through a small town. This wall holds a very intriguing story that all those who hear of this story find resemblance to something in par- a part of them or a part of their society. This wall separated the two groups of inhabitants of this town. The inhabitants... On either side of this wall started to notice differences about the others across the wall. One side started pointing out differences that they've had with the others across the wall. They started to point out their errors, their mistakes. A Theodore Geisel documents this whole event from the perspective and account given to us by a law enforcement personnel. This law enforcement personnel's account focuses in his perspective of the momentum that's going on in this town. He describes a narrative starting to form about the differences between this side of the wall and that side of the wall. The people on this side of the wall and the people on that side of the wall. And in his side of the wall, He sees this narrative and buys into this narrative that eventually defines their culture on that side of the wall. There are songs and propaganda made to support this narrative. Supporting this cause of identifying the differences and how them over there were wrong. But the story intensifies. The two other sides, instead of growing apart, they grow against Meaning, the tensions start to rise. So, they start to develop weapons. They start to develop a show of force. They start to develop intimidation tactics. To show those across the wall that they are bigger and better and not to be messed with. This law enforcement personnel tries to show a force, but is matched, eventually, by the other side. He starts to have feelings of failure, of guilt, that he could not do, could not sustain some kind of superiority over the other side. He starts to become exhausted and consumed by this fear of the threat of the other side, the threat of the difference on the other side. The attention increases and increases and increases till we're left at the end of the account not knowing what exactly happens. Because by that point, it might be too late for everyone. And as Theodore Geisel reminds us as we're, we're listening to this account, that the root of this severe and catastrophic divide started because they disagreed on one thing. How to prepare... A simple meal, butter on bread. This is The Human Endeavor Principles. I've observed over the past couple weeks discussions going on in the workplace, um, within friend groups, within family groups, on social media, of others m- making sense of the situation that they are in, making sense of the overall Phenomenons that are going on and what that means to their beliefs and their value systems. Sometimes there's the discussion and the the support for a certain narrative, a certain a coming togetherness, a support of being friends even with those who oppose your beliefs or who have different beliefs and opinions altogether. I've also observed others explaining the rift in the society. And making a stand with their values at the cost of abandoning relationships with others that they perceive as a threat to their moral standards. I remember in particular there was one post. And the person explained why there's no hope for coming together. Why we can't come together. Because the differences in moral standards are too big, are too severe. And so this person justified their approach, justified their support in the understanding we can't come together. Because there was some kind of moral dilemma. This particular person had moral standards and the other side did not respect those standards. This particular person had a moral sense maybe a thought and belief of a moral superiority than the other side the other side would not be able to grasp the morals that this person has and it reminded me of this story that we started out with it reminded me of this rift that became became so big in the the grander scheme of things of this this small town and the people who lived in it and the message of this this story that Theodore Geisel has given us, is the analogy of where things could go because of simple differences. Not not to say they're not important differences, but maybe that they're simple. Or maybe we didn't see the simplicity in the differences. Well, let's talk about that later. But here is my hope... And particularly in making this episode. And observing the things that are going on, not only in the world, but what's going on inside of me. And I see that there is a rift in society. Rifts in society happen all the time. I don't think this is a new concept. Maybe the particular... the particular descriptions of this rift or the sides or the opinions of this rift might be unique to this time, but the concept of rift in society is not a new one. And sometimes the tear that begins the rip in society, it starts in the hearts of each one of us. Or the possibility that the tear might start in the hearts of each one of us. We can stop this tear. That we might be able to reverse the effect of this tear. And maybe, possibly, find healing and peace and connectiveness with those who are a bit different from us. With the purpose of this episode, I would like to dive into the internal processes of how we can approach differences and change in our lives. What can we do to help ourselves process and heal and understand the changes and differences that we find? I would also like to jump in and explore the external social relationships that we have, the people who we interact with, the people who we see, the perspective between opinions. And how could we approach external social relationships in a healthy way, where not only can we understand each other, we can validate each other. First, we will jump into the internal processes, and in particular with the theme of how do we accept what's going on in our lives? How can we accept what this moment means to us? So first, we'll jump into that. And then after, we'll talk about the external social relationships and the differences in others, and how we can approach someone who has a different perspective, an opinion, or an beliefs, and how we can gather understanding about that situation, how we can learn something about that situation, how we can become friends and not rivals. Let's start with the internal. I think there is a natural natural response to change and a natural response to differences. Sometimes we have this natural resistance to accepting what is going on in this exact moment, to accepting what the true nature of this moment means. Sometimes we feel angry at the thought that these things aren't going our way, these things were not perceived. These things, they don't benefit me. They harm me. At times we can find ourselves denying that we have limited control in this moment. Denying that I might not be able to do much about this situation right now. I can't fix this right now. We might start to suppress the unwanted feelings of grief and loss and sadness. And hurt. Maybe sometimes those vulnerable, air quote, weakness feelings that we have sometimes turn into anger. Sometimes we find ourselves resisting reality, saying to ourselves, it shouldn't be this way. This shouldn't have happened. And that's what brings me to the first staple in today's episode. And that is radical acceptance. Maybe you, some of you have heard of radical acceptance. It is a therapy mechanism, a therapy uh, tool that we can use to first have an internal process of the realities that are going on. Whether they're good, bad, somewhere in between, unfair, whatever they may mean. But radical acceptance may be translated into is total embrace for the moments we are in. And a phrase that keeps popping up with understanding radical acceptance is, we try to keep the pain that we have in this moment from turning into suffering. Meaning, we feel pain in this moment and we try to stop it from becoming a drawn-out suffering to stop the bitterness that might come, to stop the resentment that we hold on to for a long time. Radical acceptance is meant to intervene. Let's talk about the creator of radical acceptance, Marshall Linehan. She is a psychologist, an author, and creator of DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. She constructed the concept that we know as radical acceptance. And this is her defining it. She stated radical acceptance rests on letting go of the illusion of control and a willingness to notice and accept things as they are right now without judging. It almost seems like helping us grasp this moment as for what it is. Not for what we would like it to be, or n- not to misinterpret it, but to take it as take it as it is. It's almost like opening the floodgates and letting the water flow through. Just like those those insecurities, those changes, those hardships, those hard feelings, letting them pass through us that we that we can more easily attempt to approach them and process them. This is what radical acceptance kind of looks like. First is stating the facts, meaning about your current position. Stating the facts of what's going on. For example, my team did not win. They played very hard, but in the end they did not win. That is objectively what happened. Another way of approaching radical acceptance or having the skills of radical acceptance is admit you cannot change the present moment and avoid denying the truth. Meaning, I have nothing to do. The game is over. The buzzard's sound. I have nothing to do about the results of the game. I cannot go down there, march down there, tell the refs, "Uh uh-uh, we're going to put five more minutes on the clock and my team's got the ball. We cannot do that. We have to understand that that is not in our ability. Sometimes we have to Understand that this present moment that's happening did not happen out of nowhere. There is a domino effect. There is a a chain of events that lead up to this moment that we are in. That The results of this moment. Take, for instance, sometimes radical acceptance is needed when we experience the death of a loved one. Sometimes we have to understand that our loved one was sick for a while. That they were suffering. Sometimes we have to understand... That life does expire one day. And sometimes we can take a look at our present moment and say, Okay, how did I play a part in this? I got evicted from my home. How did I play a part in this? Right?" Or going back to the example of someone dying. How did I not have a part in this? How were factors outside of me playing into this situation? Marshall Linehan She discussed her experience with coming to the concept of radical acceptance. Radical acceptance is not something to be experienced when there's change. It's not to be experienced when there's differences. It's not to be experienced when there's lost. She mentioned that it is a moment-to-moment experience, meaning this becomes a part of our reaction. This becomes a part of our process, is opening those floodgates and letting the experience resonate, letting the realities be as they are. But as anyone can imagine, opening those floodgates is stressful, is hard. There's a lot of pressure built up. It is important to use breathing techniques, relaxation styles, trying to ground yourself to the moment you're in by using mindfulness, by using gratitude. To help us stay with radical acceptance and not to den- deny the realities. But what's really import- important about staying with radical acceptance and using techniques to help stay with it is because we also need to identify our vulnerable feelings, the feelings that we are grieving, that there is a loss, that we are sad, that this is a hard thing to go through, that this is not fair. Here's a skill that also helps, is when something unexpected happens, and we find ourselves resisting the reality of it, saying, no, this cannot be happening to me. No, my team has not lost. A helpful way to adopt radical acceptance into our lives is try to imagine, experiment, imagine yourself accepting the things that are hard to accept. If you accepted that which is hard to accept, what would you say to yourself and others? If you accepted what was hard to accept, what would you do? What would be your actions? If you accepted what was hard to accept, what perspective would you have? What new perspective or or change of perspective would be needed or helpful? Also another skill that might help, in in accepting the things that are hard to accept is making a pros and cons list and identifying the consequences of resisting the reality. What would it mean if I did not want to accept that my team lost? Well, you know, the pros are is I might feel good about myself for a minute. The cons are is that minute might be over and someone might confront me about it. Let's weigh this. What helps me about resisting reality? What harms me? You can also, on the flip side, look about it and say, what are the pros and cons of accepting reality? What would this mean about me? How could I move forward? How could I find creative methods? Radical acceptance is an important part of being in the world we are in, to identifying the realities we have i would like to move on from the internal process to developing into our external environment our external relationships our external family members or perspectives or situations and it takes me back to the same analogy we started out with in the in the beginning ...about this town... ...being pulled apart from each other. Because of... ...differences they had. But the point I wanted to talk about... ...is how is the relationship... ...between uh, uh, the two... ...sides of the town... ...how could have they been different? Theodore Geisel... ...is actually known by... ...another name. A more popular name. The name that we know him by is... ...Dr. Seuss. And the account... That he told of was a book he wrote called The Butter Battle Book. Although this book was fictional and its characters in it fictional, the message and the metaphors speak so truly to us. About our situation now and about the past. About how the differences between humans have developed into disasters. He talks about the main groups of people on one side of the wall called the Ukes and the other side of the wall called the Zooks and their relationship, how it started from a very simple means of different ways to butter your bread. But because of these differences, these two groups became more rigid in their perceptions of each other. The momentum of these small differences developed and culminated into catastrophic means. There was an arms race, an intimidation race. But that experience is all too familiar. And it's definitely a familiar experience with what has happened in our past, but also the experiences that we might have today. Maybe in the beginning stages they kind of forgot very important details, very important things, that they had a lot more similarities than they did differences. They forgot that at the core of what made them connect was they both love butter on bread. But they decided that the energy, the fear, the confusion, the doubt, stem from how to butter the bread. Some people who evaluate the butter battle, uh, butter battle book explain that Dr. Seuss was trying to make an analogy that we sometimes fight over very small and simple and silly things. And I kind of had a new approach to it. What I really thought was interesting is that the Yukes and the Zooks. They both had common interests. They both loved butter on bread. Who doesn't, right? But they got caught up in what the differences were, and this took me back to that one post that um, that particular person that I saw post, and the post mentioned that we have these morals and they do not. And I thought about it, and I and this analogy of the Zooks and the Yooks is. Maybe they had the same morals. Maybe they had the same, per- like deep down the root morals of human connectiveness, of of love, of freedom, of, of rights of individual, but because they went about it a different way, because they buttered the other side of it to approach that moral, maybe that's just difference enough to mask the fact that we might be a lot more common than we're not. While I was preparing for this episode, I was trying to find personal stories that I could really relate to. And one was pretty comical when it came to my mind. And it started off with me and my wife, we were driving in the car and my sister was sitting in the back seat. We started arguing with each other and seeing my sister in the back, you know, caught In between this awkward argument and unsure of what to do, kind of deer-in-the-headlights look, and as me and my wife are arguing between what point was correct and this and that, and kind of at a brief moment where we kind of caught our breaths and and there was a little bit of silence, my sister in the back, she put in a little perspective that we were kind of arguing the same point. And I sat back and I looked at it and I was thinking about it. I was like, that's so true. Her argument and my argument were arguing for the same thing. But somehow we developed into this argument against each other. Somehow it ended up that way. And I think maybe a few reasons why is because there was maybe not enough listening going on. Maybe there was already emotions that we were feeling at the time that resulted in us shutting off the other person. Maybe what we had to do was persuade each other in a more healthy manner. Because in listening, you'll start to identify what things you do agree with, what things you do not. Jonathan Haidt, a social psychologist and professor at New York University, created this metaphor to help us understand first persuasion, but it also helps out with listening to someone who is different than you. His analogy talks about a rider on an elephant and the rider is supposed to represent rationale is supposed to represent our human mind, the way we try to logically approach things. And he talks about this elephant, this huge powerful animal being our emotions Being our values, our reactions, being our morals. But this creature, an elephant, is very powerful. Just like our emotional perspective is very powerful. And the man and this elephant, the rider and this elephant, are supposed to work together to stay on this path. And if they do it effectively, they can cut down time or obstacles in the way. Sometimes they don't always work well together. And just imagine, if a man and an elephant got in a fight, who do you think might win, right? If a rider wanted to go one way and the elephant wanted to go the other way, right? If our mind wanted to go this way and our emotions wanted to go that way, what do you think would happen? I don't know, maybe you can get creative with the idea. And maybe it touches on that radical acceptance piece a little bit, right? It's part of radical acceptance is we have to align our rationale. With where our emotions are too. that's that's why we help it's helpful to identify those vulnerable feelings is because it helps our rationale use that as a mechanism to progress and move forward. But back to the analogy. The perspective is is, let's say you are on your elephant and you're on your pathway, but you find real soon that there's another elephant coming up, and that elephant has a rider, and there's going to be a conflict. Because that writer is going in the opposite direction. And you guys are on the same path, right? You cross. And the idea is, what we naturally try to do is we try to speak to the writer. We try to just negotiate with the writer the rationale. We try to talk to the, to the writer and, and explain, hey, we're going on this path. We've been on this for a while. This is why we should do this, 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 and this, right? But sometimes speaking to the rationale... We forget that there's an elephant. Maybe we have to speak to the emotions. Maybe we have to speak to the values, the morals, that this person might have. Instead of just trying to reason them. And a lot of times we can't reason people when their elephant doesn't want to go. A helpful way of approaching this conflict is instead of jumping into the rationale. Is to first start with validating the elephant. Meaning... Validating what that person holds precious to them. What are their values? What motivates them? And also highlight on what makes you and that other person similar. What are the same values that you guys might share? What, what are those things that might help you in building a better way of moving forward? Right? That person is still going in this direction. He may not agree with everything. But if you can talk to the elephant just as much as the reason, if you can talk to the emotions, if you can talk to the values, if you can talk to the morals, and agree on that sort, you can coordinate, at least coordinate, I'll go on this side of the path, you go on that side, and we can go by each other in peace, or we can learn from each other. But what's really important to understand about that other rider on the elephant is sometimes when they approach conflict or when they approach someone who differs from them, they might have those initials, initial feelings of being frightened, of being unsure, of being vulnerable to the world. Those feelings are some that you might be able to relate to. Jonathan Hyde spoke about this scenario, about the metaphor of the, the rider and the elephant, and in particular about coming up against someone who has a different opinion than you, and how it could actually benefit you. He stated, If you listen to people who differ from you, they actually know things that you don't know. Whereas, when you only talk to people that agree with you, you don't learn very much from them. It's important to say that this is an opportunity. This difference This person who's coming from a different perspective might be able to teach me something, might be able to help me see the holes in my arguments. Not a way of attacking, but a way of strengthening ourselves, a way of developing a new perspective on the matter. We need to listen to the elephant. We need to address not only the rider, but also the elephant that it is on. Because that person isn't all rational, they have emotions, they have perspectives, they have morals that need to be addressed just as much as what we would think would be common sense. And also imagine the knowledge, the perspective, the changes, and the connections that you could make just by simply listening to what they have to say. And when we approach it that way, sometimes we find, just like me and my wife, we find that we might be arguing the same points. Or we might be addressing the same morals deep down. Maybe we approach it a different way. But maybe at the core, we both want what's best. And sometimes we approach the similar morals of human connection, of prosperity, love, validation, freedom, hope. But we just do it by buttering on the, the other side of the bread. Some takeaways for today. The internal process is a very important one because it starts with us. Radical acceptance. The acceptance of reality in this moment. Help yourself observe your resistance to the change or to others who oppose different, differently than you. Help yourself feel the emotions of vulnerability, of loss, of grief. Give them credence and also make a plan to where you could change in the future. You could take this moment. If you do not like this moment, you can go forward and change it and change your course. Remember, acceptance does not mean approval. Acceptance does not mean submission. Acceptance means owning what is the reality of the moment so that you might move forward more creatively with a with a wholesome perspective that you will find the errors in resisting the reality help yourself identify coping statements these are statements that we sometimes have to tell and retell ourselves these are simple statements that help us to gain the perspective back in our lives these statements could be i can't change What's already happened. Another could say, I can survive the present, even if I don't like what's happening. Another one, I don't have control of the past. Another one might be, Remember life, and hope is worth the pain of this moment. Create your own coping statement. One that is tailor-made to you. One that will help you remember radical acceptance and the benefits of accepting the now. What are the external relationship takeaways? What is the relationship between us and them? Maybe we can understand that there are emotions and values and morals that are heavy ties to the paths that we are on, the the directions we are headed, the opinions that we have. Remember to talk to the elephant. Remember, you're not only trying to discuss with the writer and and gain an understanding from the rider, but you're also trying to gain an understanding from the elephant. And the best course of action is to first address the most powerful player, the elephant. The emotions, the morals, the validation. Highlight where you agree with them, where you guys have common ground. You don't have to agree on everything. But finding common ground, finding similarities, might help you have the harder discussions down the road. Listen to them without interrupting. Let them express what is important to them without hindering anything else. If you can't remember anything from this episode, Remember two things. Always remember that they are a valuable human being. And remember that they could and that they might have similar vulnerable feelings about approaching you, who is a little bit different. Some days you will find walls outside of your home. Will you work to build those walls even higher? Or, or could you work with the others on the far side to reduce the wall? I understand it's not easy, but it's worth it. I like to end with this quote by Carl Rogers. People are just as wonderful as sunsets if you let them be. When I look at a sunset, I don't find myself saying, soften the orange a bit. On the right-hand corner, I don't try to control a sunset. I watch with awe as it unfolds. Thank you everyone who's listened to this podcast episode. I really appreciate all the listening support. Creating a podcast takes a lot of work and a lot of energy. If you would like to further support me, please consider supporting me through monthly donations to help this podcast continue to go forward. You can further support me by going to anchor.fm and find my page, Human Endeavor Principles where you can go to the support tab, click on that and it gives you three options. If you'd like to become a monthly supporter of my show, you can donate 99 cents per month, 4.99 per month or 9.99 per month. I would really appreciate the extra support and thank you everyone who's been listening. And talk to you real soon.